Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. Again, my voice is a little weak, so please listen carefully. (laughs) They'll help me up at the soundboard. Turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. While you're turning there, I want to tell you, how many here like stories? Come on, let me see your hands. How many like, this is a good story. (laughs) I don't know if it's true or not, but it's a good story. A very wealthy man contracted a rare disease for which there was no known cure. He went to many doctors, no help. Took many different medicines, no help. In desperation, not knowing that he, he, he had to have a cure, in desperation, he, the wealthy man took out full-page ads in large metropolitan newspapers all across the country, promising to give anything to anyone who could give him a cure. Went to all the newspapers and nothing happened for some days, but eventually a very helpful man uh, read one of those papers. He knew about the disease. It was, it was something that had been in his family and his grandmother had a cure and he looked up the cure and, and he found it and so he... He, he had the cure, so the helpful man contacted the wealthy man, told him what to do. The wealthy man did what he was told, <clears throat> and he was cured. The wealthy man called the helpful man, and he said, I'm cured. I can't thank you enough for all that you've helped me with, but now what can I do for you? Anything you want, anything you want, he was a very wealthy man, anything you want, just name it. The helpful man thought a moment and then said, well, I just retired and I would like matching golf clubs. To which the wealthy man said, consider it done. Weeks went by, weeks went by, but nothing arrived in the mail. The helpful man, who was also a very kind and patient man, called up the wealthy man and he said, I don't mean to bother you, sir, but when do you think I will be receiving my matching golf clubs? The wealthy man replied, I am so sorry about the delay. I did find two golf clubs that are nearly identical. However, One of the clubs has a pool, so I am having a new pool installed at the other club. So then they will be matching golf clubs. One is in Florida, one is in California. What's the point of the story? The point of the story is that some people think very, very small. Anything you want, matching golf clubs? And another man, thinking very, very big, thinks, I can do that. It may take some doing, but I can make that happen. Some people have a way of thinking very, very small, and other people have a way of thinking very, very big. Now, the ways that we look at things, or what we call our perspective, is is altered by the way that we grew up, the means sometimes that we have, the experiences that we've had, the people that we've been around, the people that have spoken into us, perspective It's pretty important. Perspective changes from person to person. Some people think very big. Some people think very, very small. Now, I don't know if that story that I just told actually happened or not, 
But the story in Mark chapter 8 did happen. And I want to read from it this morning. Beginning with verse 10, Mark chapter 8, it says this, And immediately Jesus got into the boat with his disciples, and he went to the district of Dalmanutha. So, so what you have here, let me just pause for a moment. What you have is you have Jesus in a boat with the disciples, which if you've been with us as we've been going our way through the, the gospel of Mark is not an unusual thing. Jesus was often in, the, in a boat with his disciples. They're going across the Sea of Galilee. They're going from here to there, one side to another. There, sometimes there are storms involved. Sometimes Jesus is not even in the boat. He just walks right by it. But Jesus and the disciples in a boat was not an unusual thing. But arriving on the opposite shore, verse 11 says this, The Pharisees came and they began to argue with him, seeking from Jesus a sign from heaven to test him. Again, just pause there for a moment. The Pharisees, uh, if you are, are not aware of really who they are, let me explain it to you. The Pharisees were a religious group who were experts in the Mosaic Law. The Mosaic Law would be, at its very essence, the, the Ten Commandments, but there were, of course, a lot of other things. Much of the book of, say, Leviticus would include the Mosaic Law. So there were a lot of finer details, and the, the Pharisees knew it all. In fact, the Pharisees were so devoted to the Mosaic Law that they had some things of their own. And they were very committed to, to following every detail it says here that they came to Jesus and they demanded a sign from him. Specifically, they said, a sign, a miraculous sign from heaven. Now, I'm going to assume something here. I'm going to assume that these Pharisees, these, this religious group of people, that they knew something, <coughs> they knew something about Jesus. They knew of his ability to work miracles, but perhaps they'd heard about how he'd cast demons out of some people and healed other people. And maybe they had heard how he had walked on water. But now they're telling him, we want to see for ourselves and so work a miracle right now. They wanted, to, wanted Jesus to perform a miracle for them. Have you ever met someone or maybe even been someone who says they will believe in Jesus only if he does something for them? He needs to prove himself to me right now. It happened to me once many years ago. A person said, so, so you, you think that, that Jesus still works miracles today? Well, then work one right now. This is, what, this is what was happening here. Verse 12 tells us, And Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit, <coughs> and he said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Now please understand, Jesus, Jesus could have performed a sign. He could have worked a miracle. Personally, I'm looking at this text, personally, I would have liked it if it read this way. And they said, show us a sign from heaven. I would, I would personally like it if it would have said this. In response, Jesus called lightning out of heaven and blew the sandals off the guy who asked the question. <coughs> and the next line said, and then he said, anyone else want a sign? <coughs> but Jesus refused to jump through their hoop. 
And he said, no signs for them. (coughs) Please understand that Jesus still works miracles today. There are many of you who are here today. There are many of you who are living today. Because Jesus has worked a miracle in your life. He works miracles in and through His people. His power has never been diminished. His compassion, which is behind His miracles, has never been expended. (coughs) But if His miracles are ever used to inflate us, or if his miracle working power is ever used to get our way, then we have placed ourselves in a very dangerous position. So it says in verse 13, (coughs) and he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. And just think about that for a moment. Because of their demands, and that's really what it was. It wasn't just a request. It was a demand. (coughs) Because of that, there were no miracles that happened there. There were no deliverances or salvations that happened there. Verse 14 reads this way. Now they, that is the disciples, had forgotten to bring bread. (laughs) And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. If you're counting, if you're familiar with the Gospel of Mark, this is the third time in just a few chapters that people went to remote places with little or no food. (coughs) Pardon me. Wednesday and thought I had a, was on top of it, but the Lord is going to give me strength because this is so important. I know that he has given me this word. If you're counting, this is the third time in just a few chapters that people went to a remote place with little or no food. The first time was in chapter 6 where a lar- large group of people group of people had gone into the wilderness with little or no food. And Jesus worked a miracle. The second time was earlier in this chapter where Jesus again is in the wilderness, a group of 4,000 people, and he again works a miracle. Now, They are again in this boat.
And all they have, Bobby, all they have, thank you, is one loaf of bread. Just one. It says earlier in the chapter that seven basketfuls had been left over from the feeding of the 4,000. But they only brought one loaf of bread. This is all they had. It's so small, it's so insignificant. This is it, just, just one loaf of bread. Before I read the next verse, understand that Jesus... <coughs> Understand that Jesus was thinking about one thing and the disciples were thinking about another. Verse 15 records Jesus' thoughts. It says, And Jesus cautioned them, saying, Watch out. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. Remember this conversation that... (coughs) I believe that uh, (coughs) take the mic back here. Father, we thank you that in your name we can trust you, that you are the God, our healer. We just pray right now that you give Gary's voice strength, that you would give him power in his voice to communicate what you have given him to say to us, to the church right now, God. And we know that we can trust you and we can, we can lean on your strength. God, when we're weak, then you are strong. And so today we pray that you would be strong in his voice, that you would strengthen him now in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sweetheart. Yeah. Thank Love you, Grant. Last year. Yes, dear, I will. Oh, man, that tastes bad. I don't like tea, but this is good. Thank you. Thank you, Beth. Whatever it takes. Um, I've been pastoring for, lead pastoring for 26 years now, 26 years uh, last month. And in 26 years, God has given me strength to always be I've not, I've not missed a, a Sunday in 26 years, and and I just didn't want to miss today, so I know that he gives strength. Remember, Jesus has just come off this discussion with the Pharisees, Pharisees who said, we want a sign. 
understand that as I read this next verse. Verse 15 records Jesus' thoughts. He said, Jesus cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. Again, they're in this boat. All 13 of them, Jesus and 12 disciples, are looking at this loaf of bread. This is all they have. Now, it's not that big of a lake. No one's going to starve, but people are getting hungry. And they're looking at this. Jesus, just coming off of this conversation, looks at that loaf of bread, and he said, you see the verse before you, and Jesus cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. He's looking at this, but Jesus is referring to something else. He refers to something, an ingredient in the bread called yeast. Many of you know this. Those of you who don't, let me help you. Yeast, as many of you know, is a bacteria. It is a catalyst that when it is introduced to flour and water, it creates a chemical reaction that fundamentally changes bread. It doesn't take, if you have an ingredient and it, says, and it calls for one cup of yeast, throw the ingredients away because you, you never need that much. Just a small piece of leaven or a little bit of yeast will do it. Yeast is very important. With yeast, you have wonderful fluffy bread, something like this. Without it, you have a cracker. And in Bible times, though there is nothing wrong in itself with yeast, in Bible times, yeast was often used to describe how sin affects a person. That even a small amount of sin can do much damage to the whole person. You could have this much dough with, a, with just a pinch of yeast, but it will affect the entire thing. And that's a lesson to each one of us. Sometimes we are tempted to think that that sin doesn't really matter. Or we are tempted to think, I can do this and it really won't make much of a, a difference, if any at all. Or I can do this and it will affect no one. But I want to be very clear on something, particularly if you're facing some kind of an overwhelming temptation. There is no overwhelming temptation if you're a follower. He gives us a way out. But if you're facing something heavy, and a big understand that it, it does not affect just one part of your life. It affects all of your life. Jesus said, beware of the sin of the Pharisees, excuse me, the, the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. What does that mean? The yeast of the Pharisees was pride or self-righteousness. The the it was an emphasis. The, the Pharisees emphasized the proper actions on the outside. It, it was having it together or having it appear as if you were together was extremely important to the Pharisees. But they utterly disregarded what was happening on the inside of a person. That's the yeast of the Pharisees. So even a small amount of pride can do a lot of damage. Even a small amount of, of thinking that what's on the outside is important to the detraction of the inside, that too is dangerous. The yeast of Herod was something altogether different. It referred, it referred to the desire for power and privilege. The Herods, you understand, 
were a dynasty of kings. I won't go into all of what they were or what they represented, but they were a dynasty of kings. And they were a people or a series of people who did anything to retain their power and sustain their privilege. They were a people that were, that would, that were ruthless in one sense and yet very consumed with pleasure on the other. They were perverse and they were consumed with whatever makes us feel good. So Jesus is speaking here about the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. I've heard it said, and this is a great point, I've heard it said that the yeast or the sin of the Pharisees was legalism. And the yeast or the sin of the Herods was, was hedonism. In other words, you have legalism or license. Jesus is saying, be careful of both of them becoming so legalistic that all that's on the outside is, import, is, 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 is the only thing that's important. And also, be careful of license where anything goes. And I think that's a real message for us today. We need to be very careful as followers of Jesus Christ that we don't think it's all about image. And we also don't go in the opposite extreme where we can say we can do anything and still be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I see that. I see that a lot. I see that with some people and they say, I can do anything I want. It's under the blood of Jesus. I can, I can go any place. I can do anything, say anything, be with anyone and do anything with them. And, and God, God will still love me. And I've also seen people on the opposite extreme who will say, you know, if you're really going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to do these 57 things. We have legalism, which is the sin of the Pharisees. We have license, which was the sin of Herod's. And Jesus here is looking at this loaf of bread and he said, guys, watch out for both kinds of sin. Watch out for both, both kinds of yeast. So Jesus, looking at this loaf of bread, was thinking big. He was like that, that wealthy man who's thinking big. He's, he's, he, he sees things from a certain perspective and he sees it big. He wants to go deep, and Jesus is going deep, and he wanted his disciples to go deeper as well. And so taking this opportunity with this one loaf of bread, he looks at it and he starts giving this lesson. But the disciples, understand, there are 13 of them here in the boat, Jesus and 12 others. The disciples were getting hungry. They're sitting in the same boat, looking at the same loaf of bread. Verse 16 says, and they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. Think of this. Jesus is looking this and he's saying, guys, boy, just like this bread, we need this, this puffy bread. We need to be careful of this, of, of the sin of the Pharisees and the, the sin of, of Herod. And when he gets done talking, they just look at him and they go, I mean, there are no crickets in the boat, but you can almost hear the crickets. And they just look at him and their, their eyes are vacuous. They're I don't even understand what he just said. And they said, yeah, boy, sure gonna, that's going to be hard to fill all of us with that one loaf of bread. It's, it's such a, a contrast. You have Jesus looking at one piece of bread and thinking so big, and you have the disciples, and all they can think about is the food. Once again, I, there's a part of me that wants to reach back in time and smack these guys in the back of their heads because 
Jesus was talking about hearts and minds. Jesus was talking about eternal things. Jesus was thinking big, but the disciples, instead of being focused on hearts, people's hearts and minds and eternities, they're fixated with their stomachs. Jesus tried to take them in that moment, in that powerful moment that is so easily overlooked as you read through the text. In that powerful moment, Jesus tried to take them into deeper water, figuratively speaking, but they seemed content to stay in the shallow end of the spiritual pool. And besides that, why would these 12 disciples who were present at the feeding of the 5,000 that came from, what, five loaves and two fish? And who were also present at the, with, with 12 basketfuls of leftover. And, and who were also present earlier in this same chapter, just a short time before, maybe as recent as the day before. And they saw seven loaves and a few fish multiplied into a feast for more than 4,000 people with seven basketfuls left over. Why would they ever wonder about basic provisions again? Why would they look at that and say, boy, I sure hope there's enough of that to go around because that cut 13 ways just isn't very much. Jesus, who was in the boat, had enough power to multiply from that one loaf of bread enough food to sink the boat. Jesus wondered the same. Verse 17 and following says, And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Asking lots of questions, you'll notice here. Then he said this, or he asked this, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls, baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, 12. And he continued, and the seven for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Here's the Gary Wildman translation of it. Guys, do you not yet get it? Are you still not getting it? Are you still, are you still not understanding that, that I'm talking about something more than just bread? Do you not understand that I have the power to create more than enough from the little that you have, but you're still not seeing the greater picture? Do you not yet understand, Jesus said? There's only one point that I want to make this morning. And by the way, I'm glad I don't have 10 points this morning. There's only one point that I want to make this morning. It's simply this. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must see the spiritual beyond the physical. It's very important. I want you to get that. Just that one point. If we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ, we must see the spiritual beyond the physical. To see and understand the basics is easy. You know, we grew up in this natural world. We learned very early on it's cold outside or it's warm outside. We, are, we learn early on what tastes good and what doesn't taste good to us. We learn early on to identify people with our eyes. I understand that uh, 
parents are the first images that they remember and that makes sense, a child. We grow up in this natural world and so it's perfectly natural that we would observe the world in natural terms. But when we come to Jesus Christ, when we surrender our lives to Him, when we are filled with His Spirit, we become sensitive to things we never noticed before. Our understanding is deeper. Our understanding, our perspective has changed. Some of you perhaps remember when you came to Christ, suddenly things looked different. People looked different. The things that used to not bother you suddenly begin to bother you. The things that you never noticed before, now you see them in an entirely different light. Because your spiritual person, the spiritual man, the spiritual woman within you, that part of you that is eternal, is brought to life. It's brought from death to life, and suddenly you begin to see our natural world in a different way. Again, we become sensitive to things that we never before noticed and our understanding becomes deeper. For example, that person that you encounter who in the natural seems disturbed or strange or angry or addicted or perverted, it's, it's easy in the natural to simply affix a label and to dismiss them. Or that person's just totally out of their mind. Or that person is just totally depraved. Or that person is just totally perverted. Or that person is just so far gone. Or that person is just overwhelmed by addiction. It's so easy in the natural to look at someone and to affix those labels and then dismiss them. Well, there's nothing that can be done. Or maybe we'll just lock them away or maybe we'll just do this or we'll do that. Or we'll just say it's not a big deal. So easy to do that. But when we come to Christ, our perspective has been altered. It changes. He changes our perspective. We understand, we see the natural, but we understand the spiritual behind the physical. We look beyond the physical and we see someone who has been used. Or we see someone who's been abused. Or we see someone who has been rejected or we see someone who has been discarded. I remember as a boy, there was a neighbor man that had some real issues. And uh, he lived just two do- doors to the south of us. And, and then there was, we lived in, in, in Rapid City for a time, in the city itself. And then two doors to the north of us, there was a woman who, who really had some issues. And at the time, I I just thought, you know what? The guy down there is perverted and the woman up there is crazy. You see it in the natural. But I remember as I drew closer to Christ, my perspective changed and, and that man who lived two doors to the south, I don't know exactly what brought him to that point, but I recognized that his greatest need 
was not therapy, but Jesus. And I looked at the woman to the north, and now I understand with greater clarity, it's not that she needed, it's not that she just needed some better medication, she needed deliverance. And so often we look at things, and we look at people in the natural, and we fail to see the spiritual. But when Jesus comes in, he begins to change our perspective. And we don't look small anymore. We don't look just at the natural. We look at the spiritual. <coughs> and more importantly than seeing them as how they got there, used, abused, and rejected and discarded, more importantly, we see how they can be healed and delivered and restored through the power of Jesus Christ. You see, I've seen that in so many of you. I've seen how Jesus miraculously, miraculously, spiritually set you free. Because Jesus and others saw beyond the physical, the natural, and they saw the spiritual. They, they, they didn't view the, you, the, the bread, if you will, in the same way that the rest of the world does. We don't see people the way we used to see people when Jesus changes us. How about this? Simple things like reading the Bible and praying every day. You know, I tell people who are particularly new in the faith, there's three or four things that you just need to do. I mean, you just need to do them. You need to, you need to be in the Word every day and you need to pray every day. And I give them some instruction regarding that. I said, you need to be in... In, in, in association, in relationship with other believers. Not maybe every day, but on a regular basis, a couple times a week. I just tell them you got to do that. And I also tell them you got to give because it's got to affect part, your, your, your life, your livelihood. And I tell them those basic things. But you know, the thing is, if we view Bible reading or prayer or being a part of a body of believers as just something that we check the box and say, well, I'm a good Christian because I do that, we're seeing things only in the natural if you think that church membership is, is going to make you a stronger believer, you're absolutely wrong. And I have nothing against church membership. In fact, if you're not a member, you want to become a member, see me and we'll get you set up. But, but that, that isn't that going to bring you closer to Jesus. You can read the, the, the book and not have a relationship. I've known people who have memorized large portions of it, but they never met the Savior and it means nothing to them other than they check the box. But if we view those times in the Word and we view those times in prayer and we view those times with other believers as sacred moments where we can draw closer to Jesus, suddenly our perspective is changed. Our understanding is that we not only need those times, but we want those times because it's refreshing to us. There were some of you here this morning, I'm just going to say it, some of you here this morning, you're just here because it's Sunday, and, and I'm glad that you're here. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes we just go because we're going to check the box or because well, somebody's going to be upset at us if we don't, or we just do that. And there are some of you that say, man, I can't wait to get there because there's something that happens when we're together with other believers. Some of you are reading the Bible, and you're going, oh, man, check the box, read my chapter, or two chapters, whatever it is. And some of you say, I can't wait to get in there because I spend time with Jesus, and he refreshes my soul. And you look beyond the natural and you see the spiritual. You don't, look at the, you don't look at the word the same way that the rest of the world does. You know what the rest of the world, they look at prayer and reading of the word. What is the matter with you? You're crazy. It's a dusty old book. 
that no one can completely understand. That's how they look at it, but you've been changed and you look at it differently and you go, I can't wait to get in there because Jesus is going to speak to me today. (laughs) We're nourished in his presence. How about this? Your job or your business. To to the world, it's it's a source of income or it's it's a, it's a vocation that I inherited or a vocation that seemed interesting and maybe I'm stuck in it, maybe I enjoy it, maybe I'm fulfilled by it, but it's a, just a job, it's a career, it's a title, it's a, it's a source of income. That's only seeing it in the physical. In the physical, it's just what you do. It's, it is that source of income. It, 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 it is something that I'm identified by. But there's a greater purpose behind what you do. There's a spiritual dimension to what you do. Some of you need to stop looking at your job in the natural. You need to stop looking at your business in the natural. And you need to understand that it's something infinitely more. That it is a place and it is an opportunity for you to be used to influence people who are on their way to either heaven or hell. And those who are on their way to hell, we need to do something about it. And and it might happen in your place of business. A brother told me earlier this morning how God put it on his heart to go and pray for someone this week and anoint him with oil. And I said, God, bless you, man. Do it again. Go to where people are and take the gospel to them. Stop looking at this world just in the natural, but start seeing the supernatural. We live in a physical world to be sure. I get that. And just for the record, let me say this. I've also been around some Christians who are very well-meaning, but it seems like all they see is the spiritual. You drive by, you're in a car with them, and you see a herd of sheep, herd of deer rather, and they start singing, as the deer pants for the water. It's like, no, man, it's just a, it's just a herd of deer. You know? and, and it's like every conversation has to be spiritual. No. Man, I like talking about motorcycles, and there just ain't a whole lot spiritual about motorcycles. If, if you're one of those persons that just talks totally about the spiritual, I'm never going on a road trip with you. I'm not talking about flaky. I am saying that to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit to be so sensitive to his leading that in the middle of the day or the middle of the night or the middle of an occasion or the middle of a job or the middle of a school, suddenly the Holy Spirit speaks and we hear him. And we realize this is not just a natural thing. This meeting that's happening right now, this this meeting, this impromptu meeting is is not, (coughs) this impromptu meeting It's not by my design, and it's not by accident, and it's not by coincidence. Because if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, there's no such thing as a coincidence. But if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, then he has put me in this place at this time with this person for a holy reason. And I'm not going to look at this in the natural
live in a physical world to be sure. We're limited by the physical world to be sure. We're overwhelmed sometimes by the physical world to be sure, by sometimes physical illness or a flu bug or other things like that. I get it. We live in a physical world. But he wants us to look beyond the physical, to see the eternal, to be so sensitive to his Holy Spirit so that when he speaks, we understand and we obey. God help you and me from ever being like the disciples when Jesus brings in a truth and we just go, I'm just so hungry. May my spirit, may my spirit be more sensitive and my stomach. May your spirit be more sensitive and, and keen and visionary than just your human eyes. My devotions this week in Isaiah it just occurred to me. I read something I'd never read before and it said that Jesus, speaking prophetically of him, Isaiah often did that. It says, Jesus did not make his decision based on his eyes, and he did not believe everything that he heard with his ears. There was a supernatural, spiritual thing that Jesus did. And I read that, and I go, oh God, I want to see, I want to see things like you see. I don't want to be so limited that when someone says, I want to give you something great, I ask for matching golf clubs, thinking just a couple of irons, pieces of wood, leather. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to live and view things like Jesus, them so much bigger than my perspective. Hallelujah. I made it. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Because I believe that he wanted to, I know that he wanted to speak to every one of us here today. So I'd like you to stand with me, please, would you? If you can. And I, wanna, I want you to simply do this. Just as a, as a physical demonstration <laughs> physical demonstration of faith and receptivity and receiving something from him. Would you, if you're willing, just put your hands up like this. It may not be your tradition, but it might become your new one. And would you, as I lead you in prayer, <coughs> would you pray, Lord, let me see this world and the world around me as you see it. With your hands lifted, your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Before I pray that prayer, I have to ask this. Is there anyone here this morning that you don't know? If you were to die today, you don't know if you'd go to be with Christ know if you would be with him. You don't know, you don't have the assurance of eternity with him. 
If that's you, I want to pray with you today. Is there anyone here that would lift your hand higher? Say, that's me. It's going to pause. Because that's where it starts. Because the next prayer that I pray really won't make any difference unless you first make that prayer and you surrender yourself to him. Is there anyone here? Then with your hands held there, I want to pray this over you, but I want you just to agree with me. You don't have to repeat the words, but just, just agree with me. Affirm it. Make this your own. Lord Jesus, I live in a natural world with uh, natural things all around me. Sometimes I feel like I, I'm kind of like those disciples who, when you went deep, they stayed in the spiritually shallow end. When you went deep, it went right over their heads. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that person. Lord, would you make me sensitive to the spiritual world around me? I don't have to see demons or angels. But when I see a person, I want to respond in the way that you would have me respond rather than my natural man or woman would respond. When I see hurting people and broken people and flawed people and twisted people, may I look beyond where they are to see perhaps how they got there, but more importantly, where they can be because of you. Help me to view my home as a holy place. Not just a fun place or a healthy place. Holy place. Or Jesus, my school, my job, my business. It's not just a place that I go to. It's a place in which I'm used for your glory. It's not just something I do or something I am. It's a place of divine appointments. My time with you, it's not checking the box. My time with a body of believers, Lord, forgive me if it's just showing up and leaving as soon as I can and not even connecting with people. God, forgive me for attending a church but for not being a part of a church forgive me Lord for <coughs> only to get rather than planning to come with to give God give us spiritual perspective I pray this I thank you Lord for strengthening this this frail vessel I thank you for giving me strengthen for patient people. The Lord, it's not about me or them or any one of us. It's all about you. So we give ourselves to you. Now, Lord, as we go into this world, this natural world, we recognize that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities forces in heavenly places. We know, Lord Jesus, that there is 
there's a limitation to these human bodies and someday our bodies, regardless of what we do or do not do to them, they will shut down. But there's a part of us that is eternal, that spirit within us. May we not be, Jesus, may we not be infected by the the yeast of the Pharisees, legalism, or the yeast of the Herod's hedonism. But may we look to you. Thank you, Lord, for blessing upon everyone here this day, everyone listening to this frail voice, Lord, on a podcast. May your blessing be upon us this day. And we thank you. We praise you. And all God's people with a strong voice say, amen. God bless you. These altars are always open. God bless you as you go in the presence, power. Jesus Christ.